What is happening, everybody? This is Ryan with the Scale Up Show. I have an awesome guest on today. I'm Sri Shalapa. Sri is the founder and CEO of Engagedly. Um, one of the really cool things about it is he's created seven feature films. He's also helps with an indie record label for local artists. And on top of it, he's a two-time founder. One of the really cool things that he shares on this episode that no one shared before is he's got access to over 450 different views of what it takes from a leadership and engaged employee perspective. And he shares the three secrets on this show. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Check it out. See you on the show. How do you grow like a VC-backed company without taking on investors? Do you want to create a lifestyle business, a performance business, or an empire? How do you scale to an exit without losing your freedom? Those are the questions, and this show is the answer. Welcome, everybody, to the Scale Up Show. This is your host, Ryan Staley, and I have a very special guest with me today. I have Sri Sherlapa. Sri is the president and co-founder of Engagedly, uh, which is an Inc. 5000 fastest growing company. He's had two business exits, is a Forbes contributor, a top 50 tech and visionary. And on top of it, too, is recognized as Titan 100 in the St. Louis Business District. Not to be ignored, he's also made seven feature films and documentaries and also runs a music production studio as well and has had two exits. Sri, welcome, man. Happy to have you on. Thanks a lot, Ryan. It's a, it's absolutely a pleasure to uh, talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I love the diversity of your background, as we talked about uh, on the on the pre-show warm up. And um, I think you're the only only other music, I guess, producer or a studio that I've had on. I had another guy named Andrew um, out of Media Options, and he actually created, I think, the first record label in the metaverse or something like that with Timbaland. So. Wow. Yeah, it's okay. really cool. So anyways, I'm excited to hear about you and your story and your company. So, but before we get super deep, I just want to do a real quick revenue rundown. And so to kind of kick things off, where are you at in terms of your revenue journey, in terms of your range? Yeah, so by the end of this quarter, uh, if I were to give a number, I don't have an exact number right now, but I think what we are projecting is we'll be somewhere between uh, five and $7 million range. Awesome. Uh, in the run rate, um, and we are growing at around you know forty fifty percent year over year. So you know we are um, um, what I would call thoughtfully growing, responsibly growing, right? Um, responsibly, responsibly growing. growing in a capital efficient manner. So, um, are, what's your primary go? Okay, so that's awesome. What's your primary go to market strategy or go to market strategy for revenue growth? You know, one of the things that I've learned is that we cannot compete on paying a bunch of money for ads and having big virtual conferences or physical conferences and paying big ticket speakers and things like that. So we've taken a more th uh, thought leadership-based approach. So we are very active on social. We, have, we do a lot of webinars. Uh, we also have a pretty strong uh, outbound team that uh, invites and um, works with our prospects. Uh, on some of our thought leadership, we publish a research report every every year. Uh, so there are a lot of things we do on this on the thought leadership side and on our positioning side that help us get leads from both inbound and outbound as well. So it's a combination of all of that, but it is led by our thought leadership at the end of the day. Okay, love it. Uh, and then, how would you describe your solution in a couple sentences? So what I like to call Engagely is a people strategy alignment platform. Uh, organizations have traditionally used people process distinctly from their business strategy, and we want to bridge that gap. Okay, love it. Uh, and and then, how big is your team? 
we are roughly 125 and growing. So by the end of the year, we anticipate us to be around 140. Wow. Okay. And then you mentioned you have a lot that are offshore or in different countries as well, or are they all, are all in the U.S.? Uh, we have our headquarters in St. Louis, uh, and you've got a subsidiary in India and a sales office in UK okay. as well. Excellent. So, and then are you funded or bootstrapped? You know, we've been at this journey for seven years now, and February was the first round of institutional funding. So we have self-funded it ourselves. You know, a lot of our our partners, including myself, had previous exits, so we were we were we had the luxury, to some extent, of self funding us to a point where we felt um, we were ready to take institutional capital without uh, major dilution. Okay, excellent. Well, that's good. And and why, out of curiosity, like why did you decide to take funding on after kind of bootstrapping it to this point, or I should say to February? I should say. Well, yeah, I think there's a really good question. You know, the the. Issue I think we faced is that we are building a very broad and deep platform. Now, people, connecting people, processes, business strategy is basically a term for really building the next generation of talent management solutions. And that's not just one module or one thing, you know, like performance reviews or goal setting. It covers all aspects of performance management. It covers all aspects of learning and development, coaching, mentoring, and employee engagement. So there's a lot to build, and we really needed the funding to build out a very robust platform in a agile fashion and do it quickly, and then be able to go to market quickly as well. So to those things, we could could we have continued bootstrap? Yes, but could we have done it without the market slipping away? Probably not. You know, and that was the reason to raise funding. Accelerate that. And I, that is, I mean, that's a good answer. You know, you could probably felt like you had a gun to your head a little bit in some aspects where you didn't want to lose. Uh, unique market share opportunities. Did you take, was it PE or BC or was it just um, private? Uh, no, it was a, a, a private equity uh, organization, uh, I mean, a company out of New York. So they're, they're like an $8, $8 billion fund. So we're a small fish in that fund. <laughs> but that doesn't mean you're not an important one with a lot of op- opportunities. So, okay, so that's an awesome background. So why don't you walk us through your story? And that's where you're at now, right? And you said you had a previous exit. Can you just walk us through your story and in terms of how you got to this point today? My personal story? Yeah, yeah. Or, it's like your journey, man. Like, want to hear how you, how you made it happen? How do, you, how do you create seven movies and have a record label and an exit? And then you're starting another company, man. Like, how did you get to this point? Uh I'm, that's because I, I, I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD. That's probably why. Mm-hmm. Um, so my journey really has been very varied, to be honest, very uh, different than at least people who came from my background, I would say, you know, from India, coming to U.S. Um, at the age of 21, going to grad school, uh, was on, on, on a path to pursuing a PhD and stuff like that. And I realized I was not really cut out because my uh, I could not focus long enough to look at a computer and do math and things like that. And I realized I really like people and I like working with people. So, and I like, and I like numbers and I like finance a lot. So I switched my major and went to business school and um, went to work for Ernst & Young, also called EY these days. I did a lot of management consulting with them for about nine years. And then I ended up at a startup uh, in healthcare I've always been fascinated by startups because I, I've always fo- followed the capital markets very closely, even though I was in management consulting. I've been a, I've been a stock market investor since I was 17, uh, first in India, then here. 
And then, uh, um, so I was fascinated by startups and how they can create so much value so quickly and the ag- agility and the pace and the excitement that ha- it has and the risk and the rewards that it can come with. So, you know, I ended up going to a startup, took a big pay cut, but got some equity in the process, you know, grew that company 50-fold in a co- course of about six years. Wow. Um, actually, yeah, about six years, but I, I was there about nine years. And then I left and the company eventually got sold for, uh, um, you know, high 200s millions of dollars um, to a, another private equity. And um, I basically got my exit a little bit after I started Engagely, actually, to be honest. Um, and that's basically how it happened that I went from that startup and then we were we made some connections to my partners there. And another person in that circle was thinking of an idea for employee engagement. And I really liked that idea because in my consulting years, I saw the disconnect between people and their aspirations and the management especially when you work with large Fortune 500 companies. Um, and I thought this would be a good problem to solve. And that's how I ended up in Engagely and starting that company with my partners in India. And um, yeah, now, you know, now obviously the rest is history, but it's been a long struggle and the struggle is far from over, to be honest. It's a tough market. It's a long road. And I, um, I'm on my seventh year on this journey. Wow. Well, hey, um, you know, I've looked at studies on this. I think it's only 4% get over to a million AR a year. And then, you know, with where you're tracking, I think there's another big dip, maybe 1% get to that 5 to 10 million range. And then it's like it's 0.00064 that get to like that 30 million. So you're doing good, man. Wow. You're doing good. Um, Thank you. I'm not trying to scare you uh, for the next phase or anything like that. But it's it's hard. And I think we forget about that. So you mentioned it's a real hard journey and I'd love to just get your feedback on that because I know like I've gone through it personally, whether I've been as an individual contributor, as a, a leader of a company and a partner, or even as a CEO where there's some really hard times that you go through. So like for you, like what, what are those? And you said the struggle is real, right? So, or something to that effect. So like, what is that? Like, what are you talking about? And like, what have you experienced? Then how did you overcome it? Well, I'll talk about the struggle of the first year of engaging me. You know, the first year of Engagely, we were building a basically an employee community building platform. We had a Facebook style community building where people can form groups, share ideas, give high fives, whatnot. And I took that to the market. And I I had this saying I would tell my my friends that I'm at a point where if a dog barks at my door, I'll give the dog a demo. I was basically giving them to anybody who would ask for it, even if they didn't ask for one, right? Because I was so desperate to figure out if this is something people wanted to buy. And for the first seven months, I must have given over 100 demos and not one client, mm-hmm. paying client, I should say. Right. You know, I gave some freebies here and there, and freebies never work, as you know. Um, so I realized something was wrong, but I didn't know what it was. Obviously, it is very, you can at that point completely get discouraged. Or continue down with the status quo, either of which, uh, you, you know, you need to decide whether you want to continue or not. Or reflect on what the organizations actually are needing. And we realized the organizations actually need is managing performance management with a highly engaged approach. So that was the angle that I, I, uh, I felt could resonate on. So that was a pivot point, And we made our bets. Totally gone south, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no there's no say, saying whether it will work or not, but it worked. Within the first month of doing that, we closed four clients. 
Um, nice. And then we closed four more, and then we kept closing, and then the and the first year after that we closed forty five clients. Wow! Um, and we got to one million within the first two and a half years, completely bootstrapped, right? Um, and that was basically how our journey, um, you know, started. And it's always listening to the market, being open to uh, other ideas and feedback, and knowing that you could be wrong, and that's okay. In fact, you want to know when you're wrong and not be blindsided by it. So that was one of the hardest things, you know. And the second hardest thing really is, you know, once you get past to a few million in revenue, is how do you scale? Because you hear all these stories on Faster and on Crunchbase and, you know, and, or, and other podcasts of these companies, how they went from like 3 million to 10 million over in one year. And you're thinking, what am I doing wrong? And then you realize that's an exception. That's why they make the stories. You know, companies like us don't, don't always make the stories because even though we are still one of the rare cases where it actually costs a million and then cross three million and then get to a five million, we should figure out what works for us and not necessarily be trying to emulate that, uh, what Slack was able to do or what you know, Twitter was able to do or any of the other startups out there. Um, so I think uh, that was hard to accept, but then also being, you know, also understand that They've raised $100 million or $50 million, and we have raised nothing until, you know, this year. And and to really keep our head down and stay focused and not get distracted and or discouraged by out there, by what, see, what do you see out there? That's good, man. I, I think that's a really great dis- distinction because, um, yeah, you're right. It's it's clouded with press clippings. And, and, like, I'll give you an example. Like, it took... One of the one of the guests I had on, his name is Paul Statham. He's from Condeco. And I'm I'm trying to remember the numbers. I think I remember it off the top of my head. He bootstrapped from zero to eleven million, but I think it took like eleven years, right? Then he went from eleven to twenty-five in like five years. And then he went from twenty-five to fifteen in like two and a half years. And he went from fifty to one hundred in eighteen months, right? So but all you hear is the, oh, he went from 50 million to 100 million in, in uh, 18 months, right? You don't hear about the, the other story of like what led to that. So, um, and it's, so I, I think there's a lot of a value in what you just shared right there because it is like you get punched in the face and then you're asking the question like, okay, am, is it me? Like, you almost, it's like hard not to take it personally. And I come from a sales background where, I've gotten the crap kicked out of me multiple times and heard right. no millions of times. I mean, like my first job tree was like, I had to make 250 phone calls a day and try and sell like CIOs to get training of like the biggest investment banks and brokerages in the world. Right. So I got hung up on repeatedly, repeatedly. Like people are just like, leave me alone, <laughs> you know? So, um, a lot, a lot of wisdom in what you said right there. So, um, thanks for sharing that, man. Hello, this is Ryan here. Real quick, if you are enjoying this episode, please hit the subscribe button and leave a comment or review. If you want more help or just want to learn more about what the top SaaS CEOs and founders are doing, check out my website at www.ryanstaley.io. Join my newsletter, check out other free content resources I have there, and let me know if you want to scale your business. Now back to the episode. So as we move forward, like, let's talk about, about engagedly, like for a little bit. And 
Like, what would you say, like for you right now, what's your single best growth strategy that, that that's leading to you guys to grow, to get investors? You know, what would you say is the single best strategy that you're seeing work really good? Well, there is no single best strategy, to be honest. Uh, I think what has worked or continues to work for us is, is leading with um, thought leadership. So not necessarily focusing on uh, Google AdWords or something like that, right? We are focusing on getting thought leadership out. Like being, for me, being on this podcast is an example of that. Or I have my own podcast called People Strategy Leaders, um, where I get, you know, people leaders to be taught to talk about leadership. Then we have a monthly webinar with experts and PhDs uh, on the subject. You know, we're not getting these actors to show up for virtual conferences. We are getting, you know, people who've done the research in whether it's leadership, whether it is on best practices or performance management or engagement or, or, or changing behaviors and things like that. Um, and then, you know, doing some research reports, publishing that out. So those are all the things setting up a stage for us to be perceived as some, someone who knows what they're talking about and then building our platform in a way that it serves the actual need and we are not just solving one-point solutions. So we are pretty much the only platform in the mid-market space that fully covers employee engagement, learning and development, mentoring and coaching, and performance management, uh, including uh, talent mobility. You know, It's a very broad platform. To get that, you will have to potentially go to a workday or maybe go to an Oracle HCM suite, which may or may not be all one in one software. It may be disconnected that has Oracle label on it or might have a workday label on it. But the mid-market, we are the only platform doing that. So that is a big differentiator for us. You know, being able to look at an employee holistically and say, what do I need from an employee's perspective and from an organization's perspective to build a high-performance organization? I need to engage them actively. I need to develop my people and employees want development. They want feedback. They want mentoring and coaching. And then being able to align their performance to organizational uh, goals and strategy. Um, and then be able to know that talent and be able to uncover hidden talent in your space. And that's part of the talent mobility and talent analytics. Now, now, I'm not saying we are strong in every one of them. And that's part of the journey of building this robust platform that will serve the mid-market. To us, that is a completely uh, differentiated offering versus an organization of 500, 700 people having to buy seven or eight different platforms for that need. That's awesome. I mean, and... I I can remember just being as a leader, some of the opportunities there within itself, I guess, like, let me ask you a, a question as a follow up to that. Like, so it sounds like you have a really comprehensive platform in the mid market. Um, I mean, ballpark, how many users do you have on the platform? Can you share that or no? Uh, I don't actually have the number on top of my head. I will say we have about 450 companies on our platform. Okay. So that's great. So you got 450 companies. What, and this is what I was trying to get to. So you have sample size of 450 companies. So I imagine there's some amazing data there, right? With, with what makes a highly engaged employee and how to get the highest performance out of them, whether the top, you know, three to five trends or um, factors that you see that lead to that, like optimal performance that those organizations are using just like, you know, across that sample size, I'd be curious on that. You know, I think the number one thing that drives employee engagement and performance is leadership investment in that process. 
I'll give you an example. A lot of organizations say, and this is proven by data, that employees want, especially these days, more than ever before, want recognition. They want to be recognized for what they do. And some, when I say what they do, not necessarily just the normal stuff, and they go above and beyond a certain thing that they're supposed to do, they want to get recognized. So there's this whole thing like, hey, we need to recognize each other. So we have a platform that allows an employee to recognize another employee. But that behavior we know helps with employee retention. It helps with motivation and ultimately drives organizational performance because the employee is motivated and provides discretionary effort. However, the leadership doesn't, if the leadership does not exhibit that behavior where they don't recognize any employee publicly or through our platform, it's their managers are not going to do it unless the manager themselves are somehow motivated to do it. Definitely the employees are, are also less motivated to do it. So that translates, right? So that's, I would say, that's an example. So leadership behaviors in that uh, is what drives it. Another example is, is goal setting. You know, if leaderships, if everybody, everybody should have goals. In my, in my opinion, they should all have goals. So there's clarity of purpose for each employee and each function and each department. Uh, but it should also be at the organization level where this leadership should have the goals that they have set for themselves as an organization because they are the representative organization and they make that transparent to the employee and say, this is our goal for this quarter or for this year or for this next six months, whatever that is. And that way the employees know and the managers know and the executives below them know what goals they need to have to ultimately fulfill that mission. So ultimately it comes down to leadership behaviors. So if, if the management says we don't have enough engagement, we don't have people motivated, I'm, my employees are not productive, I think they should look in the mirror and say, what am I doing to set an example to do that? Okay, uh, those are some great examples. Did you have one other one? I didn't mean to cut you off, sorry. Oh, there are several like that, right? I mean, it's, 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 it's across the board. But what really drives better performance is alignment. And alignment to me means that everybody, all the horses in this carriage are pulling in the same direction, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have sales going in one direction, marketing going in a different direction, and product going in a different direction, and your customer support going in a different direction. Uh, and that's why this organizational goal and strategy and a plan at the org level and at the interdepartment level with the dependencies they have between each other, the clarity of that is extremely important. Okay. That's good. And and to, to back that up, like I, I remember when, when I was a sales leader, one of the things that I noticed got my team to work harder than they ever did was when I aligned like the outcomes I was trying to have them create with their, the personal outcomes they wanted in their lives. Right. So right. making that like connection and they worked harder than they ever did. And I had a, I didn't have to push them less. I didn't have to push them more. I actually had less and they worked harder. So it was really, really great. So I could see what you're talking about with like the leadership, the goal setting and the alignment, just how to, how to, uh, how to leverage that and, and to, to create high performance, but also people that feel good about it too. You know, exactly, exactly. And, and to your point, you know, incentives drive motivation, motivations drive behavior, right? And the incentive can be different for different people. For some person, it might be money, right? And some other person, it might be a promotion. Some other person might be more responsibility. It's different for different people. And I think that's uh, a good point that you, when you said, you talk to the individual and say, what is their personal goal? How do I align the organizational objective to that goal? And I think that's very key. Yeah. 
Well, thank you. So we're getting close on time. I guess one of the questions I wanted to ask you too is just like as you're going through this journey and you're 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 finding your way, you're building a company. What would you say is like your single biggest challenge right now with the phase that you're at? You just got funding. You obviously have product market fit. You have a decent customer base. What's your single biggest challenge that you're running into right now? I would say the single biggest challenge for any company our size is building scalable processes. Because um, you, you can invest the money, but if you don't have scalable process, it's going to be not an optical, optimal outcome. So you want to have scalable process that can be repeated and consistent based on what we know works, right? And that's a journey we are on. We are in that process. We are trying to build scalable process. We have a lot of what I would call first-time managers um, because of the growth we had and the people you hired. So getting them to think scale, getting them to think better process, better measurement of outcome, thinking of the right outcomes to measure in the first place. You know, if you're thinking of measuring the wrong outcome, you you could look like you're you're a superstar, but you're actually not adding any value to the organization. So those are some of the things challenges we are we are working on, to be honest. And I think um, since the funding, we I would say we've gotten about fifty percent there of the gaps we have. We still have another quarter or two of work to do, but it's going to be a work in progress. You know, as we scale, there'll be additional challenges. You know, the, the scale of challenges also get bigger at that point. Well, like, what, so what would you say? So what did you knock out? And then what do you have outstanding just in terms of like, kind of like, like well, evolving? Well, one of the big things, you know, page. when you're a really small company or, or smaller, smallish company, I should say, is getting your financial processes in order, getting your accounts receivable, accounts payable, your monthly reporting, your SaaS metrics, uh, getting your uh, you know your uh, tax reporting, and how you actually do P and L. Those things are not very easy to do, especially when you're in your smaller company and you try to hire an external CP and all of that. And it, it becomes really cumbersome. But you wanted to have a process that would make sure that we can close our books on every fifteenth of the month before the the, the month following fifteenth. And, and be able to report SaaS metrics fairly accurately, right? We know what our gross margins are. We know how we are trending. We know what our CAC is, what our LTV to CAC is, what our uh, you know, net revenue retention is by tier, by segment, by region, you know, what our net revenue uh, growth is, what our upsell, cross-sell, all of those numbers. Putting that place was one of the big challenges I had to solve last year. And then the next next challenge I took on was to build out a marketing team that can scale our presence on the internet, right? Uh, and through these thought leadership, you know, launching webinars, for example, we are not consistent in doing webinars. So we had to build a process that repeats itself where we are doing a monthly webinar every month. In some months, we actually end up doing two. Um, and then we are, you know, doing, uh, I started a podcast. We also started uh, a very uh, a good process, repeatable process on social media campaigns and things like that. So it's not like, oh, I haven't done a social media post in three days, let me do one. No, build out a process, build out a calendar, build out the type of topics you want to focus on, you know, things of this nature. So building out all of those uh, is an example of what I'm talking about. Because when you're starting out, you know, you find 10 minutes, you build a post, social post, or or, you, or the person is working on seven different things, but you want to make a consistent, repeatable process in every one of those functions, that requires thoughtful planning and iterative approach to doing it, because you're not going to get it right the first time or the second time. That's good. All right. Well, unfortunately, we're up on time. But so where can people find you? Where can they find more about Gidgely? Um, And then we'll wrap it up, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ryan, for having me. Um, so Engagely is Engagely.com, E-N-G-A-G-E-D-L-Y. If you can see the video, it's on my hat. Um, I sleep with this hat on. Um, and uh, 
my, my best way to contact me is on LinkedIn. It's Sri Chalapa or Sri Kant Chalapa, uh, which is S-R-I-K-A-N-T. Uh, I go by Sri normally. And you can just DM me there or ping me there. Uh, those are the two best places. And if you have time to listen to my podcast, that's People Strategy Leaders podcast. It's on Spotify and Apple and some of the other uh, podcast channels as well. As well. Awesome. Well, we'll we'll reflect that in the show notes, and um, you know, really appreciate you having you on. The world needs definitely a lot more leaders, so um, it's awesome that you're you're helping shape that and then creating that in an environment that the way people want to be led. So thanks for coming on, Shri. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Pleasure. Thank you for checking out the Scale Up Show. My mission in life is to help founders and revenue leaders avoid all the pain and suffering in revenue growth so they can flip it and create a life of their own design. So if you enjoyed this show, please like, review, share it on social, and more importantly, just share it with a friend. Share it with someone that you think could learn and benefit from what you heard on today. But the more we get the message out, the more people we could help, the bigger the impact we make, and the bigger the community gets, which helps everybody. So once again, thank you for being a loyal listener. I appreciate you and look forward to seeing you on the next episode.